0: The Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by absolutely no one. Actually, that's not true. I have Penny right here. And now she's mad that I called her no one. Uh, Once again, I have forgotten to book a co host. And those who I did invite are doing like last minute summer travel stuff. So. They could not attend, but that's okay, baby. We're going to do it solo, because for some weird reason, you guys seem to like it when I host the show by myself. I feel insane doing it, but uh, you're into it, so I'm like, okay, you freaks, here's some more of it for you. So I wanted to open the episode reading some Patreon questions. Once again, I have a Patreon. Hello, I'm your host, Allison Kilkenny. If you're new to the show, Welcome. I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, where for the low, low price of $5 a month, you get to send questions that I'll answer on Light Trees and News. And today we have a recommendation from Chelsea. Again, we love a good recommendation on Light Trees and News. That's the first third of the show. We just give you recommendations about stuff that we're listening to. It sounds bananas when I say we, when it's just me. But if you're new to the show, it's usually me and a co-host. So I'm not out of my mind. I'm not using the royal we either. Anyway, we talk about stuff we're watching, reading, listening to. And we recommend it to you guys. So it's only fair it works the other way too. And you can recommend stuff back to us. So Chelsea, this was so weird that you sent this. Because when I got the alert that you had left a comment on Patreon... I was in mid conversation with a friend of mine in real life who was recommending the exact same thing. And I freaked out. And then I felt dumb because I was like, oh, is this one of those things where it's actually not that big of a deal? It's like serendipitous, but it's not. I shouldn't be freaking out to the point that <laughs> I'm freaking out. But also, the person I was talking to when I told them what had happened also freaked out. So it was definitely strange timing, Chelsea. So Chelsea writes, I have a wreck. The Righteous Gemstones on HBO, there are only three episodes so far, but as someone who grew up in an evangelical Christian house, the jokes and details are just, and then they wrote chef's kiss, Italian chef's kiss, which I love. So Chelsea, I'm definitely going to check it out, obviously, because I've heard from multiple people that it's great. I have no idea what it's about. Well, now I do because you said evangelical Christianity. But beyond that, no idea what it's about, so I'm very excited. I just, at this point, I'm so overwhelmed by my to-watch list that it's like, look, don't feel hurt if I don't get to the thing that you were recommending um, soon in a timely fashion. I'm just, I'm working through the list as quickly as I can, and i got to watch my succession. My succession's so good. Uh, I also have recommendations that also uh, illustrate why it's taking me forever to get to anything new. So season nine of The Walking Dead is on Netflix. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. I know you're probably like, but Allison, that show got very bad. And yes, it did. And in fact, I stopped watching for a while. And then I saw live Twitter watching The Walking Dead, freaking out about how good it was. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, did it get good again? But then also, you know, sometimes super fans on Twitter—you can't really trust their judgment. There were people who thought the last season of Game of Thrones was good when it objectively was not. I mean, there were good moments, but overall it was bad. But like hardcore people on Twitter were like, "No, nah, it's just good. I didn't waste my life." Um, so I was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe this is like superfans super fanning." But then critically as well, I like lightly searched some. I glanced at reviews on Google. And it, it was like, season nine is good again. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta watch it. So I'm about halfway through season nine and it's wonderful. It truly is like just character development payoff after character development payoff. They spent nine seasons with these characters and remembered like why we like them. And it's just, I've cried so much. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way like in a you know it's a very fulfilling as a fan watching the show it's like you're doing my babies right you know like it's it's a good uh payoff so I'm enjoying that I also am oh, so sad about this so I when I'm like doing other work I sort of binge watch Project Runway in the background because it you know you don't really have to pay attention to it Every episode has the same structure, so you know like when to look up and be like, "Oh, okay, so and so won the challenge." So bizarrely, I was I was binge watching Project Runway All Stars, and then I get on the train and I see Chris March's name trending. And I was like, "Why is Chris March's name tr- trending?" And if you don't know Chris March, he was one of like the most beloved designers. On Project Runway, he was on Project Runway All Stars, and I was very, very happy when I saw his face because, like, he—he he was just a, a little ray of light, and really sadly, he passed away, and I was very, very upset. So, if you haven't seen Project Runway, um, maybe check it out and check out Chris March's season because he was such a joy. He was known for. Designing for drag queens and doing like Broadway productions and stuff like that here in the city. And he was just a cultural icon and and a beloved figure. And everybody's super sad that he passed away. So, um, watch Project Runway in his honor. And also, I, I'm trying to figure out if I want to give more recommendations. No, you know what? These recommendations are old and they can go fuck themselves. Okay. I just made an executive decision right now. So I have a question and it's a serious, earnest question for all of you. Okay. Is Jeremy Renner a social experiment? Hear me out. Hear me out. Because I know right now you're like, Allison, he's a real person. And I would counter, is he Is he, though? You don't know him. You don't know Jeremy Renner. You watched the Avengers movies. So you're like, I think I know Jeremy Renner. But you don't know Jeremy Renner. Because the Jeremy Renner you thought you knew would not have designed. Well, he didn't design it. He didn't do shit. He just put his name on it. What the fuck was that app? Okay? Can anyone answer me what the app was? Hold on. Okay. Calm down, Allison. All right. So there's a New Yorker article about (laughs) the title of it. Is Jeremy Renner's strange summer. Okay, and this is the opening paragraph. Two years ago, two years ago, I'm occasionally going to interject as Allison just to illustrate or underscore how fucking weird this story is. Two years ago, the actor Jeremy Renner launched a mobile app called Jeremy Renner Official. What the fuck is that? Okay, so the press release describes it as groundbreaking, which first of all, pause, what? I think we need to have a long conversation and unpack what the word groundbreaking means. Because even two years ago, every dumb celebrity had an app. Like, every Kardashian had an app. It wasn't groundbreaking. Okay. So, it's quote-unquote groundbreaking. And promised users, the ultimate bird's eye, which I was like, is that a Hawkeye thing? Is that a Hawkeye thing? Look at me. Is that a Hawkeye thing? Because if it is, it's unforgivable the ultimate bird's eye view into Jeremy's world what literally what like if I gun to your head was like describe to me Jeremy Renner's world would you even know where to begin because I don't understand who he is as a person like I know he's an actor but even when like when I first found out he was like he likes to play the piano and sing I was like what's happening really who are you There would be contests, exclusive photos, breaking news, and the chance to purchase stars, a mysterious currency that allows fans to propel themselves to the top of a scroll of Renner's most devouted acolytes. Okay, pause. This is a cult, yes? And again, I know the Kardashians have a similar thing. That's a scam, which is like you can buy currency on this app that means nothing to like buy outfits and stuff. It's a scam. And like a pretty Blatant hustle. Like, I think even people knowing, even people participating in it know they're being hustled. Where, like, you would be buying currency on a Kardashian app or a Jeremy Renner app while rolling your eyes at yourself, being like, I'm so dumb. I'm burning my money right now. Like, I think everybody knows they're being scammed, but it is a scam. So, users swap uplifting memes, selfies, and diet tips, and wish each other happy Wednesday and mass on Wednesdays. <laughs> Okay, I think this is what bothers me the most about the Jeremy Renner app, that it's trying to pretend that it's something better than, like, a Kardashian ripoff, which is, like, uplifting memes, diet tips, which isn't different from the Kardashian app. It's exactly the same. Um, I also have a question, okay? And please, please, please give me your feedback on any of this because I am baffled by it. Have you ever in your life, met a Jeremy Renner superfan? Ever? Ever? Like, even people who are like, yeah, Hawkeye's kind of cool in The Avengers have, like, five other characters before him that they like better. So I'm just wondering who these quote-unquote superfans were, if they even existed, or if, like, Jeremy Renner was surrounded by yes-men who were like, oh, my God, you are so popular. You should totally have an app. And if he was like, I don't know, really? And they were like, oh, my God, yes. Any day now, Hawkeye is going to become the most beloved Avenger. It's going to happen. And I bet you they were like, when the rest of them disappear, as happens in the Avengers, or about half of them, you are totally poised to become the most popular Avenger. We got to be ready with this app. Because there are bound to be Jeremy Renner superfans, eventually, I guess, I don't know, people saw the Hurt Locker, right? <sighs> okay. A modest, cheerful, digital community dedicated to celebrating Jeremy Renner and love and lovers of Jeremy Renner. Okay. So earlier this week, the app was abruptly shut down. <laughs> so apparently Jeremy Renner is so upset about what has happened to the tenor of his community And he said, what was supposed to be a place for fans to connect with each other has turned into a place that is everything I detest and can't or won't condone. So I guess the issue was that people (laughs) were misbehaving on this app. They were, apparently the app was just very confusing to begin with, where like if anybody commented on the app, it looked like it came directly from Jeremy Renner. So it just seemed like it was very badly designed. People were like, creating sock puppet accounts for other people. And it just seems like there were no security measures in place. It became very chaotic and confusing. And Jeremy Renner found out about it and was like bummed and annoyed and mad and shut the whole thing down. (laughs) Shut it down. Uh, So it is no more. Rest in peace, the Jeremy Renner app. We hardly knew ye. I don't understand you at all. Did any of you have the Jeremy Renner app? That's basically why I'm even talking about this. I'm fascinated. I've never downloaded any celebrity app, so I like I don't know about the world at all. I find it so strange and weird. It's such a waste of your money. Please tell me what's going on. Hashtag Light and Pod. Did you have the Jeremy Renner app? What was happening? Are you a fan of Jeremy Renner like a super fan? Can I ask why? In a like non-judgmental way? Cuz here's the thing. Do I think he's a good actor? Yeah. Do I think he's talented? Sure. In in a, in a multifaceted way. He seems like very musically gifted too. What a talented man. I'm not a super fan by any stretch of the imagination just because like, I don't know, he doesn't stir that in me. <laughs> and I find it so interesting that he might stir it in other people. So if you're, like, don't feel embarrassed if you're a Jeremy Renner super fan. Just please try to explain it to me because I don't get it at all. Like, if you had told me there was a Chris Evans app. First of all, Chris Evans would never in one million years do this. But let's say in some parallel universe, there, this version of Chris Evans had one of these apps. I would believe it in a second. I was like, yes, he's one of the most beloved celebrities, Captain America... Arguably, along with Iron Man, the most popular Avenger. Oh, you know what? Scratch this example. Robert Downey Jr., I'm amazed he has not done this yet. (laughs) So Robert Downey Jr. would do this. And if he did this, I would not be surprised if it was a huge success. Because it's like, yeah, Iron Man, biggest Avenger. People love that character. I fully get it. That I would understand more than this. This I'm just like, what's happening? And maybe it's one of those things where like... I think Jeremy Renner's A-list, but he's not A-list in a way that Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are A-list. He's like A-minus list, I think, or maybe even B plus list. I don't know. But like he's he's on the cusp in a way that makes him susceptible to uh, like a marketing scheme coming to him being like, you should have an app like this. Cause it's a pretty easy way to make money. You're popular. I guess people will buy these weird little stars. Guys, I don't know. I find, you know what it is? I'm obsessed with cults in general and how people like find themselves in cults and how the cults form and rituals and stuff like that. And this is a version of an online cult that I find fascinating. (laughs) And now it's been shut down. (sighs) Before we hardly got to experience it. I mean, I guess it's been around for two years. (laughs) That's another thing. Oh, I... It tickles me. I'm very, very amused by all of this. So, again, hashtag Light and Pod. Um, Or, or you know what? I shouldn't just single out Jeremy Renner. A bunch of celebrities have these apps. So, Nicki Minaj, Ellen DeGeneres. um, Tom Hanks has a branded app that approximates an old typewriter. (laughs) This is according to the New Yorker article about it. So, like, major celebrities have these things. So, even if you don't have the Jeremy Renner app or had it, rest in peace, do you have a different celebrity app? And if so, what do you get out of it? I highly doubt the type of person who listens to this podcast has one, but you don't know, and it's not my place to judge. So, hashtag Light and Pod, I promise not to make fun of you. I just want to know what's happening and, like, what's going on in your head. And are you sad about Jeremy Renner? Um, yeah. So other than that, guys, I don't have recommendations. I have stuff coming up. I'm going to go see the It movie, even though people are not happy about it. Please don't send me spoilers or anything. I'm not seeing it until Tuesday, and I will be very angry with you. Um, even though I, like, I don't know what you could spoil in that movie. But you know what? I'm sure there's something. So please don't send me spoilers. People are very Mad about it because apparently it's not good. I heard Bill Hader is great because Bill Hader is great in everything. And once again, if you haven't seen Barry, go watch Barry. What are you even doing? He's a national treasure in that. So, like, of course, Bill Hader is good because Bill Hader is great in everything he does. Um, But I heard it's like not good, it's not scary, and whatever. I'm still excited because you want to know why it's getting. Cold out and fall is right around the corner, and I'm hyped for Halloween. I am doing, I don't even want to tell you guys what my costume is this year because I'm going as part of a group costume theme that I'm very excited about. Um, stay tuned if you want to know what it is because I don't want to give spoilers ahead of time. And yeah, I'm hyped. I love Halloween, it's my favorite holiday, and the it movie coming out while the seasons are changing feels very appropriate. And yeah, I don't care if it's bad. I didn't expect the It movie to be great. (laughs) Like the first one was not great, but it was like, fine. It was fun. You know, I like to see it with a packed theater because of that uh, group energy. You know, it's always fun when there's always somebody way more scared than you. And I find that so fun because, I don't know, it just heightens the experience for me. So it's one of those movies I want to see with an audience. Huge update. I don't know if I'm going to see the Joker movie, because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't want to watch a movie about a white man being like, society doesn't get me. Better kill everybody, because that's uh, Living in America in 2019. So I'm still wrestling with if I'm going to w- see it or not. I honestly like feel kind of sick at the idea of watching it, because it's not fiction. <laughs> it's like what's happening right now in the world. So, I don't know. I'm going to see I might wait to watch it and not see it in a theater. Um, yeah, cuz also the idea of being in a theater with a bunch of dudes who are like, "Joker's so cool." I'm like, "Ooh. I don't want to be around you. I don't like you." So that's how I feel. Uh, I don't know. S- sort of ongoing, evolving feelings about it. How do you feel about it? hashtag light and pod let me know let's just talk out our feelings yeah okay great guys it's that time of the show let's all hold hands and cry here's your bad news <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, I guess we got to start with this (sighs) story about the hurricane and Trump. I was, like, hesitant to even talk about this because I was like, is this important? But I think it is, and I'll explain why. So, as we all know, Hurricane uh, Dorian traveled along the East Coast, um, you know, devastated the Bahamas, And during this time, Trump, being Trump, was talking about the path of the hurricane and erroneously said that it was on a trajectory to hit Alabama. So people start making fun of this. Um, You know, there were some questions about, like, did he get confused was it just a mistake but then the really strange part of the story was how he doubled down on the error including presenting what appeared to be a doctored image of the chart the trajectory chart where someone had used like permanent marker to extend the path of the hurricane before it ultimately veered uh, east or northeast To include Alabama in the path. So basically rewriting history to be like, see, he was right. He was right. So now there's all this back and forth. Uh, The NOAA disavowed a tweet from the National Weather Services, Birmingham, Alabama office saying that it had contradicted Trump's false assertion that Hurricane Dorian was likely to hit the state. Blah, 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 blah. The whole reason I wanted to talk about this wasn't to get into potential pathways of hurricanes, because that's, you know, an inexact science. It's always an estimate. Um, I'm no expert on hurricane trajectories. I'm sure you can find models out there that did include Alabama, others that didn't. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is... Just and I I hate when people use the term gaslighting because it's really not appropriate to use in terms of a relationship between a president and uh, citizens or, or um, people living in a country because we're just talking about an authoritarian regime. We're not talking about a personal uh, relationship with someone. So it's not really appropriate to use that word. But when Trump was first elected we talked a lot about how authoritarian regimes in part keep their power by sowing a constant environment of confusion facts no longer matter up is down east is west and that is deliberate that that and the reason it's deliberate I don't want to give them too much credit. The administration, like it's some kind of sophisticated, strategized attack, because they're a bunch of fucking idiots and they're they're making this up as they go along. But what they do want to do is undermine undermine trusted institutions, and that includes, believe it or not, uh, weather institutions like the NOAA. Um, you know, they they want to be the supreme authority on everything, and that includes the weather. So Trump cannot be wrong about Alabama. Because I saw a lot of people, like, confused on Twitter, um, you know, when there's constant speculation about Trump's mental health. And again, I don't know because I don't know him. I'm not his doctor. Who the hell knows, right? But what I do know about authoritarian regimes is he cannot be wrong. They cannot allow that to happen because he has to be the supreme authority on everything, And that, as weird as it seems, includes this fucking dumb Alabama thing. Like, who the hell cares if he was wrong about Alabama? Well, here's why. He has to be the supreme authority and source of information on everything. Because, God forbid, people start trusting the NOAA or whoever above the administration. So he can't stand to be wrong. Because in authoritarian regimes... There cannot be other trusted institutions. It can only be the authoritarian leader. The supreme leader has to be right about everything, and that includes this this trajectory of Dorian. So I thought the, the story was newsworthy in that respect, where this is sort of a classic example of what happens in a fascist regime. The supreme leader can't be wrong about Alabama because then... People will seek out information from other sources. And I also thought it was newsworthy because what a terrible example to teach kids, right? And this predates Trump as well. This is sort of like, this really sort of started, it blew up in the 80s, right? Hyper capitalism, where it was like, if you show any vulnerability, and that includes saying, hey, I was wrong about this basic fact, it undermines your value, so in American culture, we have this really sick impulse to, to never admit when we're wrong, because to admit when we're wrong shows vulnerability. So now you have all these kids watching the president, who, even though he's a fucking idiot, is still, you know, very a respected institution in the United States. And these little kids are learning from Trump to never, ever, 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 ever admit you're wrong. Because if you admit you're wrong, you're weak. And weak people are bad. And we we cull them from the herd, right? So, I mean, what a terrible example. <laughs> like, if you saw a little kid doing this in class and the teacher corrected them and said, Well, actually, the the hurricane's not gonna hit Alabama, and they just refuse to accept <laughs> reality, you'd be like, Wow, we gotta put this kid in therapy. Not that therapy is bad, obviously, but, like, this kid needs help. This kid needs to learn that they're wrong. It's okay to be wrong. But just learn that you're wrong and move on. And it doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you weak. And here you have the president of the United States being like, "No, uh no, uh It was going to hit Alabama. And my aide drew a permanent marker circle around Alabama. So I was right. I was right the whole time. And the little kid's like, well, I guess I should never, ever, ever, ever admit I'm wrong, and then I can be president. <laughs> Which, if you couple that with being rich and white, and cis and privileged, uh, maybe, maybe you could be president. Um, yeah. So, also in bad news. Oh man, Scarlett Johansson. Do you think she wakes up every morning and is like, "How can I be part of the problem today"? She is just like a problematic machine, like just a canon of awfulness. So she's facing more backlash, not because she uh, took a role from a person of color or a transgender actor again, but because she was asked in a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter about Woody Allen uh, because she had worked on films with him like Matchpoint, Scoop, Uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. And so she was asked about him. And she said, I love Woody. I believe him. And I would work with him anytime. So obviously the believe him part is uh, he has been accused of uh, raping uh, Dylan Farrow. When she was a child, um, and he was her father, her, her uh, stepfather. And so she, in response to that, was saying, I believe Woody, because Woody Allen obviously says he did not do that, even though um, a judge sided with Dylan Farrow and a child therapist and stuff like that. Um, but Scarlett Johansson believes Woody Allen says, uh, I would work with him any time. <laughs> <laughs> which is like holy fuck. Uh yeah, she's just you know really leaning into being awful. And I just couldn't help but imagine the Black Widow PR team just like don't say anything, don't say anything. Definitely don't say you believe him. Definitely don't say you believe him and then her saying, "I believe Winnie Allen" and then being like, "Well, fuck. Now we got to deal with this forever." um yeah she's like she can't stop (laughs) or she just you know what it is no because that almost gives her too much credit like she can't stop she doesn't care how many different ways does she have to show us she's an awful fucking person before people are like right scarlett johansson's a bad person (laughs) and listen we talked a lot about the avengers on this episode because jeremy renner and now scarlett johansson oh we love the avengers right great movies um love the mcu love all those characters um but i forget who tweeted this (laughs) but between jeremy renner's app and scarlett johansson's woody allen remarks it is truly like watching them act out the scene with hawkeye and black widow on the cliff in real life who's going to throw themselves off the cliff first they're wrestling each other jeremy Jeremy Renner's like, no, my app's a scam. I'm going to jump off the cliff. And Scarlett Johansson's like, hold on, I don't believe rape victims. She wrestles him out of the way, throws herself off the cliff. It truly is like watching this scene (laughs) from Endgame in real life. And you know what? They can both go off the cliff for all I care. You know? I don't care. Let them both go off the cliff. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Okay. Guys, also in bad news. Oh, you know what? I put this in bad news, even though at first it seemed like it was good news, but let's get into it. Walmart uh, has taken the grand step of asking customers to please conceal their weapons. Like, you can still have them because there's this thing we have in the United States called open carry states, and what that means is you are legally allowed to carry a gun in businesses. But what open carry means is like, I can have an AR-15 strapped to my chest or my back as I'm perusing the aisles of Walmart. And what Walmart has asked, because, you know, there's been these, what do you call them, mass shootings constantly everywhere. They're like, hey guys, it's really freaking out our customers when you walk around uh, with with guns strapped to you. Can you at least be discreet? Can you at least keep them covered up? Uh, and truly, that's all they're asking. And, you know, still all the gun nuts are like, oh, we live in a fascist society, which we do, but not for the reasons they think. This is in addition to genuinely good things walmart has decided to do which is discontinue sales of short barrel rifle ammunition um which can be used in large capacity clips on military style weapons which is like yay we did it and also did walmart just realize that like mass shootings are a problem and they're like maybe we could like cut down on the ammunition we sell uh And then, yeah, maybe you could be discreet about carrying your guns in our stores. But, like, that is truly where we're at in the United States, where it's, like, it's a victory to be, like, hey, could you guys be, like, tasteful about carrying your murder weapons around? Thank you so much. And enjoy our low, low prices. (laughs) Yeah, enjoy them. Yeah. So customers can still carry concealed weapons in Walmart. Uh, presumably unarmed store managers will now have to tell customers openly carrying guns (laughs) to leave, which is like, good luck. Good luck, everybody. Uh, And as this article in Jezebel by Emily Alford uh, points out, Walmart in 1996 banned the sales of a Sheryl Crow album in all its stores because of lyrics suggesting the discount retail store sold guns to children. So they will ban some stuff. They will ban any album that points out they sell guns to children, but they won't ban the guns. (laughs) Yay. America. Okay. So this next story, again, I saw some people celebrating, but I'm going to put it in bad news because it's wild that this stuff still exists. Um, There's a man named uh, McRae Game. And in 1999, he founded Truth Ministry, a faith-based conversion therapy program in South Carolina that aimed to suppress or eliminate participants' LGBTQ identity through a combination of counseling and threats of eternal hellfire. So the big update to this story is that, well... Gay conversion therapy still exists, which is wild, because it's 2019, it doesn't work, and it's a form of psychological torture, and it should be outlawed. But also, big update, McRae game came out as gay. And a lot of people on Twitter, uh, you know, I know it's it's cathartic in a way to be very smug and self-righteous when this stuff happens and be like, I fucking knew it. Because a lot of people believe that militantly homophobic people tend to be suppressing something in themselves the reason I don't like that assumption is that it's sort of a a weird way to blame gay people for their own oppression because essentially what you're saying is these are secret gay people oppressing other gay people (laughs) which is fucked up and it's not to say that it's not sometimes true like it is in the case of McCray game but it seems like a fucked up way to to blame other gay people. And it's like, no, a lot of these people are straight and they're just very hateful and misguided and um, cruel. And they too are participating in the marginalization of the LGBTQ community. So don't blame gay people about fucked up shit happening to <laughs> other gay people. It's weird. Anyway, McCray game comes out as gay. Um... He is now 51 and says he's very sorry for the the harm his massive hypocrisy has caused. He said in an interview with Post and Courier, I believe ex-gay ministry is a lie. Conversion therapy is not just a lie. It's very harmful, especially when it takes it to the point of you need to change and here's the curriculum. Here's how you do it. And You haven't changed yet. Keep at it. It'll happen. Um, He told the Post and Courier that he was raised Southern Baptist as a child. He secretly wore his sister's clothing and outwardly displayed feminine qualities and became the target of taunts from classmates. His his nickname became McGay. By age 11, he realized uh, that he was attracted to other boys and was determined to suppress these desires. By 18, he became more comfortable with his sexuality and was out to a small group of people until he had a guilt-ridden breakdown in the early 90s. Game's quest for salvation led him to a counselor who promised to keep him, help him get to the root of why he was gay. Game was told that counseling would help reveal the root of his homosexuality and his sexual urges would lessen over time. But marriage, children, and starting truth ministry, later renamed and rebranded to Hope for Wholeness, didn't stop them. Oh, so weird how that didn't stop it. Uh yeah, so again, I like I get the impulse to be like, "Ha ha, I knew it. I knew it." But I'm putting it in the bad news section because gay conversion therapy still exists and that's fucked up. And it should be illegal. That's all. That's all I have to say. The freedom uh religious freedom ends at when you are harming other people. That's the limitation of religious freedom. You can believe whatever you want to believe. You can believe that gay people are going to hell. You have the right to believe whatever you want to believe. What you don't have the right to do is lock a poor little gay kid in a room and psychologically torture him to the point where he wants to die. Or they want to die. Not to gender them. Uh, that's not cool. That should be illegal. That's a form of psychological torture, which is torture. Um, you don't get to do that. Okay. Okay, Gangs, that's enough of bad news. Let's end things on an optimistic note. Here's your good news. <laughs> Boris Johnson, you lost your majority. Everybody hates you, and you got a bad haircut. Oh, no, it's Boris. Oh, boy, I love watching parliamentary process in the UK because it is very, very different from how we do things in the United States. The United States uh, puts an overemphasis on... um. Etiquette and how Congress operates. Like, that's the whole reason that Congress representatives have to be like the excellent representative from Tennessee. Like, they are overly deferential to each other because one time a representative was almost beaten to death. Okay, it happened. It happened. It was not great. But when that happened way back in the olden times in the United States, they were like, hey, maybe we should talk to each other um, overly deferentially so we don't reach the point where we're almost beating each other to death. And it was like, fine. But now in the United States, it's almost like we think it's rude to to disagree passionately. And in the UK Parliament, they do not have that. Uh, So there have been some great clips coming out of the parliamentary process to give you a little bit of a recap in case you missed it. U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson's government lost its working majority in a very dramatic fashion because one of his um, MPs, a member of parliament, defected from the Conservative Party to uh, the uh, uh, Liberal Democrats who were among opposition MPs uh, launching a critical bid to stop a no-deal Brexit. Of course, this is all about Brexit. So this MP... Um, Dr. Philip Lee put out a statement, and I'm going to read it because I think it's very interesting, and again, it was super dramatic. Uh, He got up while Boris Johnson was talking (laughs) and crossed the aisle to go sit with the Liberal Democrats, and Twitter lost its damn mind because nothing that dramatic ever happens in in government, right? (laughs) That's like out of a movie. So the letter says, Dear Prime Minister, oh, that's nice. I am writing to inform you that I am resigning my membership of the conservative party. After a great deal of thought, I have reached the conclusion that it is no longer possible to serve my constituents and country's best interests as a conservative member of parliament. By the way, as I read this, I just want you to imagine any conservative in the United States writing this. Okay, It's a fun little mental exercise. This has been a very difficult decision and one I am not taking lightly. Over 27 years ago, I joined the Conservative and Unionist Party, led by Sir John Major. Since 2010, I have had the immense privilege of representing the Bracknell constituency in Parliament. It was also an honor to serve as a government minister for two years, working to improve our justice system. I should pause right here and say, like, I don't want to condemn anything in Lee's past, including uh, praising John Major. (laughs) From our recent conversations, you will know that I have had concerns over the approach and direction of the Conservative Party since the EU referendum took place in 2016. The Conservative Party that attracted me to join it as a young man was a broad political church. Over the years, members have had different views on individual issues, but we were all bound together by sound conservative principles of careful governance, responsible reform, respect for the rule of law, protecting our home union, and sound stewardship of the economy. Sadly, the Brexit process has helped to transform this once great party into something more akin to a narrow faction where an individual's conservatism is measured by how recklessly one wishes to leave the European Union. Perhaps most disappointingly, it has increasingly become infected with the twin diseases of populism and English nationalism. This is not personal. There are very uh, many good people in the party and on the government benches. However, each of us must stand to be counted and ultimately do what we think is in our country's and our constituency's best interests. This is why today I am joining in Joe Swinson and the Liberal Democrats. I believe the Liberal Democrats are best placed to build the unifying and inspiring political force needed to heal our divisions, unleash our talents, equip us to take the opportunities and overcome the challenges that we face as a society and leave our country and our world in a better place for the next generations. And that's the letter that he put out, and then he crossed the aisle. Everybody lost their minds. Um, And this also (laughs) happened uh, at a time when Boris Johnson's own brother resigned in horror at his handling of Brexit. Uh, Joe... Johnson. God, this family. Uh, One of the prime minister's conservative lawmakers says he no longer uh, can reconcile family loyalty and the national interest. And while he didn't specifically mention Brexit in his announcement, there's no doubt the resignation is over his brother's increasingly belligerent attempts to force through Britain's withdrawal. Uh, Joe Johnson is on the pro-Europe wing of the conservative party and has previously called for a second referendum to decide the fate of Brexit. And he wrote, it's been an honor to represent Orpington for nine years and to serve as a minister under three prime ministers. In recent weeks, I've been torn between family loyalty and the national interest. It's an unresolved tension and it's time for others to take on my roles and MP and minister. Um, So obviously this is being seen as like a huge betrayal of Boris Johnson and his family. But honestly, if you were part of that family, wouldn't you be like, I got to get the fuck out of here, guys, guys, I got to get the fuck out of here. So again, without condoning Joe Johnson or because honestly, fuck anybody who's a conservative, fuck anybody who's a Tory. But can you imagine the conservatives in the United States doing this? I can't I mean I don't know what else Trump has to do for them to be like we gotta get the fuck guys guys we gotta get the fuck out of here okay we gotta cross the aisle right now we gotta join the Democrats would never happen because anything to own the libs right including destroying the planet including destroying the country including putting people in camps uh anything to own the libs right <laughs> um oh right we're in the good news section I shouldn't Get negative, uh, guys. I also wanted to um, talk about Brock Turner's, uh, the the victim in the Brock Turner case, who was referred to as Emily Doe, has come forward with her real name, her true identity. She is a uh, Chanel Miller, and she's a total badass. And she's writing a memoir about her assault and the trial. And I realized I had never written, oh, and the memoir is called Know My Name, because I'm sure a bunch of people will want to read it. I realized I had only ever read excerpts from her uh, victim impact statement in court, and I had never read the whole thing, because the whole thing is like 13 pages, I think. It's like 13 or 14 pages. So I had only seen like a paragraph or two. So the other day I read the full thing and she is a phenomenal writer. It's it's obviously huge trigger warning cuz she goes into a lot of detail about like waking up and what had happened to her body and and stuff like that and then finding out to her horror later on like she read details of what had happened to her in the press before she fully knew what had happened to her. So like truly a horror story. So massive trigger warning, but she is such a phenomenal writer. And there were just so many details about the story that I didn't know. Like, um, obviously a lot of the horrible details I I had never, I I think I was just like, I can't stand to read this because I felt for her so strongly. And what a horrible thing to happen to someone. Like, I can't imagine what that must feel like. You wake up and you know something bad happened to you, but you can't remember. Like, just truly a nightmare situation that I can't, fully wrap my head around like I don't know how she survived it uh she's just an incredible person she's incredibly strong incredibly articulate uh, a huge huge a great advocate for uh, victims you know Um, in in her statement she she says you're not alone to other victims and it's really really moving she sleeps with (laughs) this like really got to me she sleeps with drawings of two bikes above her bed because of the guys who saw what was happening to her they were on bikes at the time and they chased down Brock Turner and uh restrained him until the cops came so of course she considers them like her heroes and she sleeps with two drawings of bikes above her bed to remind herself that there are like good people out there um uh, it's just, like, so moving. But anyway, uh, I, it got me excited. It's a weird word. But once I read her th- full 13-page statement, I was like, this book's going to be phenomenal. And obviously, I hope you'll all read it, too. And, of course, like, you know, all the little trolls came out of the woodworks. And they're like, she's going to financially benefit from what happened to her. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, like... Like any victim, rape victim plans to make money by being raped, (laughs) you know, it's just such an absurd idea. And of course, Chanel Miller also talks about like how this ruined her life. Like she's still really grappling with the mental repercussions. Her sister, her poor fucking sister, it destroyed her life too because they went to the party together and her sister like lost track of her during the night. So her sister blames herself, even though obviously it's not her fault. Um, and they had gone, gone to the party cause like her sister wanted to go to the party. So her sister, like, you know, God, can you imagine she has to live with that her whole life thinking it was her fault. Um, so like, you know, completely ruined their lives. And now she's written this book that hopefully will help her process what happened and also help other victims out there because what an amazing thing that now they have this incredibly well-spoken articulate poised advocate for them you know like Chanel is like such an amazing uh role model for so many people um so anyway I think she's a badass I'm so glad that she came forward which of course like she would still be a badass if she had not come forward totally her call but she decided to come forward and I think it's going to help a lot of people so I'm putting it in the good news section Chanel Miller what a fucking badass uh, also, you know what? I'm calling it good news. Howard Schultz dropped out of the presidential race. Thank God. Part of the reason I'm so happy is I think he would have won, guys. I really think Howard Schultz would have won because he presented himself, even though he's a total corporatist. Um, you know, founder of Starbucks, he, like enormously wealthy businessman he presented himself as like a moderate which is insane that's how insane the united states is right now howard schultz ceo of starbucks moderate what um in any other country he would be like far right (laughs) but anyway so he presented himself as a moderate because trump's such a fucking lunatic that he he does look moderate by comparison and probably would have gotten a lot of like centrist votes who are like well i don't know trump uh Trump opened baby uh, death camps, but Bernie Sanders seems a little too far left for me. So what about Howard Schultz? <laughs> like, I know there would have been like millions of people who made that political calculation, which, as stupid as that sounds, because it is stupid, um, he dropped out. Because he basically was like, "Uh, I don't want to help Trump get elected again, so I don't want to siphon votes away from whatever Democrat who runs against him. Which... Very reasonable, (laughs) like surprisingly reasonable. I don't know if that, of course, is the only reason he dropped out. Maybe he also looked at polling numbers and was like, I'm not going to win this thing. Let me get out of here. Let me go be a fucking billionaire who does nothing all day other than sit on a yacht. Let me go do that. As opposed to running for president of the United States, aka the most miserable thing you can do. I truly don't know why independently wealthy people do it (laughs) like if if I could just like sit around all day and do nothing I would do that every time versus giving myself an unpleasant job anyway uh good news he's out so uh, I don't have enough time to get to everything I wanted to get to in the good news section and I don't have a co-host to bounce ideas off of So I'm just going to make an independent decision on my own, like Howard Schultz would do. He's my hero. I'm just kidding. Uh, I wanted to shout out the Hong Kong protesters again, because we talked about this a little bit on the show. They have embraced really tenacious, unique tactics in combating the police, uh, because there's this whole... uh, uprising right now that's happening because of the influence mainland, mainland China has in Hong Kong um so Hong Kong has this like weird unique status because we talked about this a little bit when Eric was co-hosting uh in 1997 uh, the british handed control of Hong Kong over to the chinese this has been a problem ever since um, You know, even like dur- during periods of relative calm, it's it's always an issue. And now it's really, really come to a head because of this one country, two systems agreement where Hong Kong really feels like they don't have personal and political freedoms because they don't um, in comparison to mainland China. So there's been these huge protests in response to this. And the reason the protests are getting... Uh, uh, covered as much as they are is in part because the protesters and the activists have surprised Hong Kong and Chinese authorities, not only in their numbers, which did surprise them because so many people turned out, but also they stayed out and they got really creative in how they combated uh, the police and the authorities. So... They did this in a in a few different ways we talked about it a little bit on the show uh they use lasers to to disable uh a lot of police equipment um they use different chats for different targets so they're like really organized in terms of how they communicate to each other um there is a forum like uh, I don't, I don't know if it's just called LIHKG or something, if it's pronounced a different way. But it's basically like Reddit, and they uh, uh, have group chats on the encrypted Telegram messaging app. Some of the larger Telegram groups have tens of thousands of members. Users share news, updates, information, and police deployments, escape routes, and targets for protests. The app's poll function allows users to vote instantly on whether to stay at a demonstration or disperse, which I love so much. Last month, for example, protesters at Telegram voted 79% in favor of targeting Hong Kong's international airport. And as we know, that turned out to be one of the biggest protests uh, in the movement. It forced hundreds of flights to be canceled. It got international news coverage. It was a very, very successful uh, protest. And also... um, An example to other protesters out there, if you want to get a lot of news coverage, if you want a super uh, big impact, shut down a fucking airport. Uh, Just FYI. So protesters have developed a simple yet effective system of hand signals to communicate with one another amid the chaos of street clashes. Different signs can indicate a need for helmets, water, saline solutions, scissors or umbrellas, among others. Uh, this goes some way to explaining why the demonstrators so often seem to have all they need at hand and the uncanny ability of supply teams to always be where they're needed. So they're very, very efficient at communicating with each other. Um, so there was also a viral video. There was a little bit of confusion about what was happening in the video, But there is a video of a protester who picks up a tear gas canada, drops it in a container, and appears to neutralize the tear gas. And there were some erroneous reports that it was liquid nitrogen. Um, That, of course, is not true. Like, the chemistry of it, liquid nitrogen does not turn tear gas back into its solid form. Uh, There's speculation it could have been water, it could have been mud, but there was something inside of it that instantly neutralize the tear gas canister. And it's a very badass video if you want to go watch it. Uh, so, of course, much like Occupy, there's no single person giving orders. This is just sort of organically happening uh, in a uh, non-hierarchical structure, which the media always really has trouble dealing with. <laughs> they don't understand it. They don't understand how it's happening. But we're seeing it happen more and more, non-centralized leadership like that. Um, but yeah, it it's incredibly exciting. It's uh heartwarming's not the right word, but uplifting to see young people organize on the fly like this. Be- especially because the police are so heavily armed. They have tanks, you know. When you see people turn out in mass like this and get creative with their protesting tactics, you're like, maybe we can fucking win. There's more of us, right? Anyways, guys, on that note, (laughs) Light Treason News is 100% listener-supported. That's why you didn't hear one single ad during this episode, unless you count my long rant about Jeremy Renner's app, but that's not around anymore, so you can't even buy that. So that's not an ad. That's not an ad, is what I'm saying. Please go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button to keep us going. That's the only way I'm able to bring in new, exciting episodes of Light Treason News. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the social media. Not TikTok, because I don't understand it, and I will not do so. I refuse to educate myself about TikTok. Um, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. You can go there, sign up for just a dollar a month to support all of my other work over there, writing, videos, stuff like that. Um, And yeah, guys... If you enjoy the show, if you want questions answered on the show, sign up at the $5 a month level at my Patreon. $10 a month, you get to do the online hangout, which we have another one coming up tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry, tonight. Oh, my God. What is time? 7 o'clock tonight. I should go promote that on social media again. The, The online hangouts are great. We just talk about our pets. We recommend movies and stuff to each other. It's a good time. Talk about our lives. It's mostly not even about me anymore. You guys just talk to each other, and I love it. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. While you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.